Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review, where each week I review the Joe Rogan Experience. No affiliation, unlike the news is, to current events. Current events being the Joe Rogan podcast and uh, the shitty version of the news being me reviewing it. Sometimes I have guests on, we talk about the best podcast for the week, things that inspired us, things that we liked. Uh, this week I have Mark on. What's up, Mark? Yo, what's up? This is like a cliff notes for Joe Rogan. It basically, yeah. It's, it's like a, the bullet points. It, it it's, kind it's of like you were the Wikipedia page for his episode. Yeah, but way week. dumber and way way less dumber accurate. with zero donations. <laughs> zero donations. I'm working for nothing, <laughs> but um, still emailing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> this episode is a great one. Uh, Twelve oh seven, Jeff Ross and David Tell. Uh, legends, legends in the comedy world. Je- Jeff Ross is, of course, the roast master general, as he likes to be called. I think that's it. Yeah, you know. and one of the greats. Yeah, and then David Tell. And David Tell has been around forever and just humble guy, absolute crushes it. I mean, no ego, just hilarious. Just New York hilarious, yeah. too. Absolutely. Which, which is, should almost be its own category. Yeah. And, and their conversation was fantastic. They're obviously really good friends with Joe Rogan, which is really cool mm-hmm. when he gets these close friends on. And they have a new Netflix special that is a three-parter. It's them both up on stage, and they just riff off each other, pull people out of the crowd, and uh, they just go to town. And it's like a really, you, you know, it's kind of sounds hacky. You sent me a link to that the other day. Yeah. It, it looks w- amazing. It, it really is just fantastic. And it's very, very funny. Um, obviously, the more stone you are, the more hilarious it is as well, which I recommend. As is with everything, including <laughs> right. the express line at Realms. <laughs> if you're stoned, you're like, the guy in front of me has 17 items. If you're not stoned, you'd be like, fuck this guy. Your stone is like, 17 is so funny. And you just always check in that cart. You're like, how much ice cream is that? I, or, or I will a always count. I'm like the fucking hall monitor <laughs> in the express line. <laughs> like, this cunt only has... You have nine items and it's eight <laughs> items. Yeah, but this is like a two-part item. Get the fuck out of the line, bud. Get out. You're, each one of your bananas counts as one. Which <laughs> yeah, right. not one, you fucking trifling lawyer bitch. <laughs> uh, Dave was talking a little bit about how much he likes to smoke on stage. Mm. And uh, a few comics do that, mm-hmm. right? So Chappelle. Uh, Chappelle does. He likes to dice for sure, dice. or at least used to. I don't think Dice... I think Dice smokes everywhere. Yeah, so constantly. It's yeah, he's like, just, it's just wherever he is. He's as soon as he wakes up. He's like, he's like a robot that just like feeds him cigarettes every hour while he's asleep. And he was saying, really, that it's like it helps him a lot. Like, you get a nicotine burst, <laughs> and it's just it's just part of how he is. Like he, It's kind of like introducing mania, in a way. Like a, like a tiny bit of mania that just like... Because you get that... That rush, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be really funny right now. Yeah, right? Or, you know, you know maybe it's just him being him. Like, if yeah, somebody yeah, says, right. be the most version of you, you know, mm-hmm. he obviously likes it for those reasons. But, 
you know, it's part of his craft. And what was funny is Jeff was saying that they have to carefully pick the places where they can perform because not everywhere will let him that's smoke. True. And that that's pretty interesting. So that's Dave true, also yeah. Dave also doesn't use a smartphone. He still has a flip phone and no social media. And then was complaining a little bit about how people aren't coming out to his shows, you know, in the same numbers as like these other big comedians. And Joe just turned around and said, maybe work on your fucking you know, Instagram or whatever. And maybe that's it now. Maybe we worked so hard to create a culture where we don't need like PR firms, where we don't need advertising, where advertising is built in Mm -hmm. like on Twitter and on Instagram. So we have this tool. And then Dave was like, no, fuck social media. I don't want to use it. Well, okay, well then then you have to pay for it. If you want people to go to your shows. Yeah, exactly. And and another thing (laughs) that really bugs Jeff Ross as well is because they do these nightly shows, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it is kind of off-the-cuff stuff, but sometimes, and quite often, and you'll see it in, in the three-parter, like, Dave is just, he's so sharp. It's brilliant. It's like, mm-hmm. Jeff can do a lot of the talking, and then Dave just crushes with these moments. Not that Jeff isn't great, but but Dave has this. And something else that really bugs Jeff is that Dave will have these huge zingers that just crush. Mm-hmm. So the next night, Jeff will set it up, and then... Dave will decide not to do it because he doesn't want to do the same, you know, jokes. It's cool, but it leaves people hanging. But I I just think I respect that. that, I mean, well, it's this weird thing because you, because Jeff is his comedy partner in this endeavor and you don't want to leave the guy hanging. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, you don't want to feel stale. I get that. And you know what? Those guys can work their way out of it. And they're, and here's the thing. They're fine. Yeah, they're fine. A hundred percent. David Tell isn't going. Oh, the ICM manager that was in the audience isn't going to sign me now. Yeah, he's fucking fine. Exactly. John Stewart thinks he's genius. Yeah, well, so many of those guys do. But they they talk a little bit about like promoters, club owners, like coming up, other comedians, mm-hmm. you know, through their time. And and you know, the '90s is a lot different than it was today. Mm-hmm. From what these comedians are saying, there there was like a scarcity issue where people would get really mad at each other and then they would treat you like shit. They wouldn't give you spots even if you were good because they were worried you were coming up. And for them, what I really liked hearing, and especially from Jeff, he was talking to Joe saying, I don't hold grudges, right? I don't hold grudges. And and he said that, I think he, he said his grandmother said this to him. He goes, if you hold grudges, the other guy is dancing. Mm. It's like, you're mad at them and they're loving it. Right. So you let it go and just work on the comedy and let it pass. And you've got to wonder, the dropout rate is so high for these comedians. Like, it's cool that they've it's all come like to the 95%, top. 95%. Yeah, they, more than that, maybe. <laughs> they've come all to the top, and now it seems like they're all friends and they came up together. But there was a lot of other people there. Yeah, And what were the factors that led people to just quit? And and holding what, grudges what is, is probably part of it. You can't... You can't you know, you just you just take something and try and learn from it. You can't get angry with it. You can't get angry and do. You comedy can't take well. it personally. You can't take art personally. I mean, you can take it personally, but it doesn't serve you. It doesn't well. help. Do you hold grudges? I yeah. I mean, you know, at times, not like I used to, but it's it really is hard. I've never been in an environment like that though. You know, like a heavy mm-hmm. coming up stand-up environment mm-hmm. where you're like amongst a bunch of other comics really working their craft and and then you start to see some nasty shit i mean i think that would be very difficult to find peace with it i think it would get very frustrating i think so too well i've seen i mean in my limited time at the comedy store 
I don't want to. I, nobody's really rubbed me the wrong way except for like this one dickhead door guy. Um, and I was like, dude, you're like a host. Like, calm down. Like, <laughs> just relax. Um, but there were some like manic comics. That, shout like, out to Dolman, by the way. Shout out to Dolman. No, the rest of them have been gone, but this one fucking guy it was he was an asshole. I couldn't stand him. Um, but some of them are like so manic in your face. I'm like, whoa, relax, dude. I'm like, and I'm like, with that persona, you better be really fucking good. So I don't want to say I hold a grudge, but I'm like, I got my eye out for yeah, you. Yeah, but but I like that attitude, right? Because you're yeah. you're kind of saying, hey, prove prove, prove me, prove you your know, metal. You, you want to be super obnoxious and arrogant, like crush it, yeah. And then I'll give you that spot, but don't fake it. Exactly. Don't fake it because it's like, it looks it's ugly. You think you're life of the party, but like. Here's the real, yeah. Here's I mean, the real nuts and bolts of it. Get they, on stage. And make they me talk laugh. about the Boston comics, like in the '90s, and how ruthless they were. They were ruthless with everyone up and coming, and just generally everyone. Like you could have an opener who was like a nobody that you hadn't heard of, but there were so many great comics out in Boston in the '90s. You would get someone that just is crushing, and then would just be like, "Let's see what you got as the mm-hmm. headliner." That the, those kind of pressures, I feel like. You know, stand-ups are kind of lucky today. They don't have that same pressure. They, they It's more of a community of people that are just like, yeah, it, you can, yeah, we're here to support you. And I think especially part, in L.A., because L.A. kind of has that mentality, as douchey and as full of shit as we are. We do have a kind of like that community. We're like, but hey, we're here to support you because like it's your art and it's your truth. Because deep down, you know, like, a lot of them are going to wash out anyway because sure. they're just going to wash yeah, out. Yeah, they, they can be a bit nicer. But, I mean, in a way, are we losing out? Are we losing out on, like, the, the Bostonian ass well, kicking? Well, like, maybe of, that's... Are you forged through fire? or are you uh, How are you forged yeah. is the question. And I, I, I feel like the answer is Cuddles. D, all of the... Bu- yes. <laughs> yeah. I like a good cuddle after a show to yeah. reaffirm my uh, comic job. Or the stand-up goes well and someone shouts, be funnier, and you just and then that's And then collapse. you kill yourself on stage. <laughs> Immediately in front <laughs> of everyone. Like, How's that, motherfucker? And that gets the standing ovation. That's it. That's the showstopper. And you're like, I died happy. They talk a little bit about um, George Collins work, right? Because, yes. you know, they're looking back at the greats and then like, he's probably the most pro- prolific writer of all time. A new hour every year. Uh, and it was like, he was different in a way because it was like a yearly social commentary on yeah, civilization. It, it was like he was writing philosophy. Yeah. It wasn't just like it, it wasn't just like comedy. Things. It was like listening to Socrates or Aristotle yeah. dissect modern man and do it funny, and that's what Carlin did. He was amazing. Yeah, and it's awesome to hear their reverence for it because it's just like mm-hmm. you know the average Joe can watch carlin and be like wow that was really cool Mm -hmm. this guy's amazing but to hear comedians of their level talk about how genius this person was is really fascinating yep i mean you know i I love listening to who the comics like are inspired by yeah it makes me want to go back and listen to more of his shit now well it's generally carlin and richard pryor i mean those are the two those are the two big ones i feel like they were the renaissance of comedy after the 50s and 60s i feel like those two really more recent kennison kennison gets a lot of cred until he went off because he was fearless yeah Yeah, his later stuff but but he was fearless in a way that not a lot of comics are yeah well because being fearless doesn't amount to much if you suck but he had the chops you know just makes you crazy Mm -hmm. yeah he did some wild stuff and I've only really seen different clips of it. I haven't sat would, down and watched the whole hour, and I kind of feel 
that that needs to be done. Interesting thing, Joe brings up the fact that Kennison and Roseanne have something in common, mm. and it's about their impulsive behavior. They both had major head injuries when they were a kid. Oh, Car accidents, hit by cars. And, uh, it, you know, it changes things when you have massive CTE, which is another thing that Joe knows quite a bit about from the UFC and all the rest of it mm-hmm. and seeing the impacts and what we're learning. And it, you know, can cause depression, anxiety, um, really fuck you up. Brains and a fragile fucking massive organ. impulsive behavior, which is something that made the legends that are Kennison and we can't forget Roseanne just because she had that show and everyone's like she was on that show she was a fucking she was super a pioneer in the comedian. 90s amazing I mean yeah. more so than anyone yeah. I mean she was it was like her and Joan Rivers yeah Google they were the two. her stuff if you don't know this about Roseanne Google her and, stuff and the shit and here's the thing the shit she was saying back then wasn't any more incendiary than what she said now it was it was a different time really was Mm -hmm. yeah it was totally a different time and they they had to push through i mean the hate didn't come in at the same rate as like instagram and all the rest of it Mm -hmm. but i mean they got plenty of hate for the things oh they absolutely do but that is an interesting topic that you bring up because the the critique is instantaneous there's no, you're like, you don't have to wait for the post office to deliver your hate mail. It comes straight to your, to yeah, your computer. It's, it's way you worse now. Mean? You, you I mean, it's just instantly but delivered. But that's what happened to Roseanne. She made one tweet, one and the tweet. next day her whole life changed. It was over. Like, she, she's not used to this. She's an old fucking lady that takes, you know, Ambien and, that, and, and that, drinks. But that begs the question, do we... So she didn't change... But did our expectations of her change? And does it come with age? So when she was a younger woman in her late 20s and her 30s saying incendiary shit in a different era where the audience was vastly different and the um, the response wasn't nearly as fast, do we expect more from her now as a woman like in her 60s? Do we expect somebody that's a little wiser, a little more seasoned, a little smarter than to say some stupid shit like well, that. Well, 100%. Does that have a lot to do with it? I, I'm totally with you. The problem is, mm-hmm. the way that she put this wasn't, is, like, she's genuinely, like, I didn't know she was black. I thought she was Jewish. And there See, was that, uh, there was no space for, right. like, conversation. And, and that's that, the but, real problem. If she right. just... And that, I think a, a lot of people found that hard to believe, myself included, because I'm like, well, okay, Valerie Jarrett is black, and... That was some shit you said. Like, True. by the way, no way endorsing what she said. It was bullshit. But. Yeah, of course. But but at the same point, I, you know, I don't well, you're know. You're right. I there heard, is no space for a conversation. I heard was... three hours of her on Rogan, and I mm-hmm. reviewed that one. And it's hard. Like, she seems so genuine. I think that she would be willing to apologize over something horrific and be like, yeah, I did say that. She's in the same place. I agree. I, 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 I think it's so weak. To like lie about the intention of that yeah. so directly, she doesn't seem like that type. Well, and Joe was like, "She's not that type." Now saying that, there needs room for discussion on forgiveness. Right? But I would. If someone old does just throw down a straight of racist thing, society's changed, motherfucker. It is, you and they're going to call say you that on shit. It. And it's and it is wrong. We got. And change. I feel like because I feel like we as a society have finally come to this place where we're like, no, we're sick of this shit predominant group of societies like we're sick of this shit so no there's no room for nuance there's no room for debate there's no room for discuss discussion you said some shit 
fuck you for saying it. We didn't like it. Now go away. Yeah. I don't necessarily love the idea that people have to go away for saying incendiary shit. I don't. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a shame. This... Look, we're losing great comedy. I mean, th- th- who knows? That show may have even been quite watchable. Uh, I don't know. I the watched it because yeah. I was because fa- I watched it when I was a kid. It was on every Tuesday night. I would go home after swim meets and I would watch it and I enjoyed it then. And I was fascinated to see it, and I watched it again because I, I just like, think we got to be careful, man. Because to, to think that one thing that we say changes our lives, and then we get stamped as that person that said that thing. Sometimes you got. Sometimes some people are saying some things. If it's really hateful, and some it, people say look, some stupid shit, it's, but it's also not it's hard like, to not say stupid if shit. It's, creating violence or like turning people again i understand all that being bad right but just some fucked up well, shit I that feel maybe like... was it or not or like well, close to or especially coming from a woman that has an entire career on mostly saying fucked up shit that what come well, on i feel like and i i think the climate of today is particularly we're particularly sensitive. It's like tap dancing on a landmine right now. When you have more Nazis in America than you have in Germany, and then you have somebody like spouting like nationalistic rhetoric, and Roseanne is a fan of said person, and then she says some shit like that, all it does is reinforce what people are already thinking. And I feel like that was like, it wasn't just like a harmless shot into the night. It was like the last shot on a firing line true, kind of true. and I think people were like nope if we can't take Cheeto down we're going after you yeah and I you know look, what I, mean? I understand the rhetoric I just think that at the end of the day if if they take out Chappelle like this we're losing oh, he we're losing said too it. much he flat we're losing said too it. much we can't do it and, they, and this is moves on to the next thing that they talk about is like <laughs> the community at the store and this is mm. something that's cool is is they were talking about I think I think it was David Tell or, or Jeff Ross, one of them, was saying that they see themselves as a comic first before, like, an American. Or maybe that was Chappelle that said it, but they really do. Mm. It's like, I'm an American second. It's like, I see what someone said that's fucked up or anti-American or whatever, mm-hmm. and then or like, even, even the... Um, Roseanne thing and next mm-hmm. like but first off they're a comic so they're like oh that's fucked up she's gonna get some brunt for that but then they go back to talking about how the comedy store now is this huge community for comics they they the friendships up there are like no other and this is where these fucking people just want to spend all their goddamn time and it's like do. the best hangout ever and that's that's a beautiful thing. It's nice to know that they have their safety net. And I'll tell you what, they have the some bar at the comedy store that's just for like the the main comedians there that they oh, can skip it. off into. The basement, right? yeah. Yeah. So I've I've seen it walking oh, by. Oh, oh. <laughs> so what they? What, what, I've not been allowed in yet. What goes on in there must be the type of free speech that you don't get anywhere else in the world. Oh, and I'm sure know everyone it. is saying everything and people are going wild down there. And it's okay. If it can exist there in some way, there's a chance it can exist in another way. We mm-hmm. just have to be careful and define it, but people are always well, going to push the limits and fuck up. You absolutely know that. But, and here's the thing. Jokes are jokes. And people... Might, the thing about comics, and a lot of people don't, at least I think they don't get this, is that comics go for the joke 
it doesn't really happen it doesn't you don't have to believe in the ideology of the joke you don't have to believe in why it's offensive just the comic in the moment goes this would be funny in this moment in this environment at this particular second and you say it it doesn't necessarily mean you endorse it so if you make a joke about those who might have down syndrome in the moment you might not be endorsing making fun of down syndrome but the idea that in that moment at that particular second this is the perfect punchline for this joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like that's what you would find in it. Make it fucking clever. Make it. If you're going to say something that could insult me, make it clever. Be, yeah. Turn be around, about hit it. us with it. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Mark. My um, pleasure. Thank you. What a fantastic conversation. Definitely check out David Tell and Jeff Ross's uh, comedy special on Netflix and listen to this conversation. You'll learn a lot about what it's like to come up through the fucking echelons of pain in stand-up comedy <laughs> and misery and and come out the other side so Only thanks a lot guys for listening and uh, appreciate you we talk soon peace ah mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com